Yes, my name is Anik. Um, I'm bringing the word to you this morning as we read it. It can be found on page 1183 of the Bible. The passage is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 15. And it's also on the screen behind me. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Hey, a, um, a known fact about me is that I cannot cook. I have a bad habit of adding extra things that I think would help but don't, or taking things out that I think shouldn't be there that should be, even when I follow a recipe. One time I whipped cream when me and Natasha were dating at her parents' house for dinner and I was going to impress them by whipping the cream because that's sophisticated and hard work and Natasha said, stop when it goes thick. We had butter on our dessert that night. Um, And I realised this week, thinking of that, how terrible a cook I am, but also that I can adopt that same attitude to my Christian life. In what way? Well, if I add anything to Jesus or turn away from Jesus, take something out, it is disastrous. When it comes to a Christian's health and maturity, nothing but Jesus and Jesus alone delivers. That matters for how we view God. It matters for how we view ourselves 
what we think of the life to come for the sake of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus to others. It matters because knowing that you have 100% of Jesus already gives you the assurance that you belong to him and that you can fight any doubt or uncertainty resting in him as you face all the hang-ups and suffering and timidness that there is. And this gives me confidence to keep going. You see, maturity and growth as a Christian is actually just understanding and reminding yourself more and more who Jesus is, what he's like, and what he's done. That's how you mature. And knowing this is something that Paul and Timothy, uh, Paul and Timothy's letter to Colossians is keen to explain to us. And it's especially salient for the Colossian community at this point in their life. Seven years old from a church plant. And imagine you go to that church. It's AD 60. And you rock up to the Colossian church. You hear about Jesus one week and you, you accept him as your Lord and Savior, hearing how supreme he is. And then someone comes along to you and says, Ah, Luke, well done. You've done the first bit by trusting in Jesus. Now, let me tell you the next bit and what it really means to be a Christian, how to mature and have confidence. And this person takes me to a back room and they sit me down and they tell me how I need to embrace a hybrid form of angel worship and Jewish mysticism that makes Jesus' work on the cross secondary to that and kind of the first stepping stone to really you know, going deep with God. That was the Colossian church. And you don't have to look too far today to see modern parallels of that thinking, do you? A type of Christianity that treats Jesus as a side dish before you get to the main course, before you move on to say something meatier, deeper, spiritual, more intellectual. But, to quote Timothy Keller in his book Center Church, the gospel of Jesus is not just the ABCs of the Christian life, but the A to Z of the Christian life. See, there is no growth or health or assurance or hope or progress other than receiving Jesus, walking in Jesus. Instantly when you receive him, you have 100% of all the tools you need to be his people, to face your sin, to have assurance that God is with you and of the life to come. And the moment you think, like me when it comes to cooking, you need something else, even a little, you abandon the supreme son and the only hope you have. And the big idea from today comes from 2 verse 6, which is simply to continue to live your life in Jesus. And may we be encouraged to do that this morning, to keep living our life in Jesus. You see, what you and I need more and more in our life is an ever-increasing knowledge of this Jesus. And let me show you why this is so good news, and may you be so encouraged and built up at the end of this. Two sections, six to eight, live in him, not as they say, live in him, not as they say. And the second part, nine to 15, is all about seeing Christ and yourself clearly. So, let's live in him. It begins in verse six. So then, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. That's a good question to start with. Have you received Jesus as Lord? Paul is assured that those listening to this letter read out have recognized Jesus as the supreme son of God who by his death and resurrection reconciled them to God by faith. We receive Christ by collapsing our life into him, not adding him to our life like icing on a cake, but we bury our entire person, our entire existence into Jesus 
That's how you receive him. And then we walk in him. Maybe your version there has the word um, walk instead of live. It refers to a way of life. Live and walk are acceptable. You see, the intimacy, you see, it shows the intimacy of collapsing our life into Jesus, referring to a new way of life. You see, Christianity is not walking away from Jesus, apart from Jesus. You don't even walk with Jesus as a Christian. You walk in Him. It's like scrambling eggs. You put the two yolks in a bowl, and when you start mixing them, where's the two eggs gone? How can you tell one from the other? You can't. They're so intertwined and indistinguishable now, the two have become one in that sense. And that is collapsing our life into Jesus. That is you and Him. And remaining like that, not trying to unscramble the scrambled eggs, is key for health and strength and growth. Look at the next verse. He says, Rooted and built up, strengthened in Him, uh, built up in Him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Rooted is, yes, as Amanda showed us, like going down like a plant does for health and life. And as the roots aren't always seen, the life is. Green trees, flowers, fruit, health. We too are to have roots in Jesus in an ever-increasing deepness into Him. Because He gives life and health unattainable from anywhere else. Being built up is about being strong and visible. Literally, built up has the idea of, of stones becoming a building but here, it's a metaphor for the location and strength of our, that we need to face the persuasive winds blowing against us. Only by being rooted and then built up are we strong enough to navigate the pressure that, make Je- that makes Jesus seem small or less beautiful or less central to our faith. And the result of this is mentioned as well. Overflowing with thankfulness. Now, every year... As a family, we head up to the Murray and we go water skiing. And it's great, great fun, but we didn't do it this year. Do you know why? The floods. The rivers were overflowing. We could not go. And that overflowing image of a river is what Paul uses here to describe a mature Christian. An abundance of joy coming from knowing the Supreme Son and His forgiveness. Thankfulness to God for Jesus Christ and His grace and kindness to you. Go deep in Him, be strong in Him, and overflow with thankfulness to Him. Christianity is a happy way of life. said it last week, there are many things that will seek to suck the life and health and energy out of you, but Christianity is not one of them. And perhaps the greatest reminder that some of us need today is that maturity isn't just being rooted and strong in Jesus, but overflowing with gratitude to Him as well. Mature Christians are deeply thankful to God for Christ. May I encourage you as you mature and go deep and think that you would also have a healthy dose of gratitude and joy to go along with that. Because as you mature and grow, it should invoke a worship of God that's preparing you for an eternity of worship with Him later. So live in Him. And I know so many of you are, so keep doing it. But don't live as they say. Look at the next verse in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. A love of wisdom is a good thing. In fact, if you want to proclaim Jesus well to those at work and your family, to know how to live in Him in your daily life, you all need wisdom. You need to use your intellect to study and think and understand God and His people more. And that's fine and that's good. We've used our wisdom, hopefully, to plan the fun run today. We've thought about that. But this isn't what Paul's talking about here. 
His concern is being captured with wrong thinking. He calls it a hollow, deceptive philosophy. Philosophy is used in a negative sense here. Ideas that seek to make us rooted apart from Jesus. That's the idea. A vision of growth and progress as a Christian that is like termites eating a tree. We had termites in our backyard recently. Nasty things, aren't they? You don't see them until they're too late. You look like the tree looks strong, it's substantial, good, and then suddenly you lean on it and your hand goes through because it's hollow, all eaten out. There's no substance. Is your theology of God built on Jesus the solid rock, which can always withstand storms and trials and people critiquing it and poking it and doubts and fears, or is it more like a termite log? It might look the part, but inside there is nothing to it. And the way we treat the termites of influence against the faith is through seeing Christ and ourselves clearly, which is 9 to 15, seeing Christ and ourselves clearly. Uh, to treat termites, you need, a, um, you need holes and poison. And I don't know how they work together, but they do, and you put lots of holes and lots of poison, the termites go to them, they're exposed, they die. Hmm. So too... By relentlessly keeping the focus on Jesus, by spending more time with the genuine, you will see the hollow winds and the fake thinking blowing around. So too, like the termite being attracted to that hole with the poison, so too, when we know Jesus more, we can see and know what hollow thinking looks like. And so how does Paul set up Jesus, the best way to see him clearly? Verse 9, For in Christ the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Wrapped up in Jesus is the complete deity of God. There is no more deity anywhere else. You can't get any more God than what you already have with Jesus. And in the Colossian context, this is a solid, firm reminder that any spiritual force pressuring them from angels or otherwise or a return to Judaism or anything like that does not measure up. He is the God of the universe. And access to God is not through angels or Judaism spun together or another mystical experience, but wholly and only through Christ, in whom all the fullness of deity lives. Lives, it's present tense, because Jesus still has a body. He still is the very location of God's holy and saving activity. He ascended in the body. He didn't put it off. Stay in him. Remain in him. There are no levels of spirituality in Christianity to attain. There is one Jesus to keep being in awe of. Peter, Peter, the, the, the Peter that walked with Jesus, he writes a letter in Second Peter in the first two verses and he says, to those who have a faith of equal standing with us. If there's a few guys that you would think might have a different level of Christianity, Peter and Paul would be it. But Peter says, no, the same faith is given to all. I have it, you have it. And not only does the fullness of God live in Jesus, but by faith we've been brought to fullness in him. In verse 10 it says, In Christ you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. To be full in this context is to be filled with God. Meaning when you collapse your life into Jesus, instantly all the benefits of Christ, life, death and resurrection are yours. And look how Paul speaks of it. And he dances between past and present of what Jesus has done and who you are in verse 11. In him you were also circumcised not performed with human hands. Your whole self was ruled by the flesh, 
that was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Now, totally odd, weird language for sure. Um, Just know that in the New Testament, this was a big deal for the early church. They spent years nutting this thing out. And Paul, he almost settles it in, in a sentence or two, doesn't he? He insists that, actually, if you're male or female, you've already been circumcised. It is not in the way that you imagine it to be. It's a spiritual one performed when Jesus was cut on the cross, it says, without hands. And it was done to the rule of your body, not to your body, right? See, in his death, the old rule of sin and self dies. And then in the resurrection of Jesus, we're given a new life. And he goes on in verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised through, with him through your faith in the working of God. The mark of belonging as one of God's people is not circumcision. Baptism is a reminder of the spiritual union you have with him. And this whole idea of filling and cutting and raising that Paul draws out, again, speaking against some of the Jewish influence of the day, is the work of God for you. We must see ourselves about being in Christ every step of the way. Our faith is in the working of God, not the working of addition of us. Just notice the in him language in these 12 verses so far. Maybe you picked it up. Live in him, be built up in him, be strengthened in him, be brought to the fullness in him, be circumcised in him, buried with him in baptism, raised with him. And what's the result of all? What do you do with that information? You live in him. That's actually the imperative in this whole section. Live right there. And how do you live well with him? Rooted, overflowing with thankfulness. But it's not the end. 12 and 13 point us, and in verse 15, point us all the way back to the start again of not being influenced by other philosophy. But the way we do it this time is thinking of the triumph of Jesus on the cross and all the benefits of Jesus belong to you. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. And the very last verse, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We looked a lot at Jesus. These last three verses actually talk about God and what he has done and how he's used Jesus to accomplish this. And he summarized this with the phrase, made alive. Do you know that Christianity is a life Jesus gives rather than a task to accomplish? A hollow philosophy cannot give you assurance of life or any life. And today, if you trust this Jesus, listen to what Paul says of you from these verses. You are forgiven. Any debt you owe to God is cancelled by the cross. There is no condemnation from Satan or your past sins. Jesus disarmed the spiritual powers of evil on the cross and today you live in the triumph of that. Paul reminds the Colossians that how they view Jesus is one of the most important things they can ever think of. Because if it looks like on the cross that the powers of Rome and Israel and Satan were winning when Jesus died, angry at his claim to be God, just consider this. It looked like they stripped him naked, they held him to public contempt and they celebrated a triumph over Jesus, right? But the paradox is that on the cross, 
God was stripping them naked. He was holding them to public contempt and he was leading them in his own triumphant procession in Christ as the crucified Lord. You see, is that what you think of when you think of Jesus? Not only the past where I've been forgiven, the present I live rooted and built up in him, but the triumph of that cross. Do you see yourself united to his death and in his resurrection? And do you have that assurance that spiritual maturity is all about being rooted in Jesus and overflowing with thankfulness to him? In these verses, Paul wants to give us an ever-increasing mature maturity and healthy Christian vision. And it just comes from being rooted and built up in him, overflowing with thankfulness. Therefore, may you be encouraged and refreshed now and this week as you navigate all the challenges of life, knowing that in Jesus you have all you need to face them. That in a busy, complex, overbearing world, you may have little assurance about much of anything. But you can be totally assured and confident that if you have faith in this Jesus, there is nothing to add but to live every day in him. Therefore, how would it change your week? How would it change how you face your job or parent your children or your remaining sin? Or How would your vision of God change if tomorrow morning you meditated on these words from the very beginning of Colossians 2? So then, as I have received Christ, continue to live my life in him, rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith, as I've been taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Therefore, let's be a church who overflow constantly with thankfulness to God for Jesus and mature in him. And would you join me in this task? As I said last week, you can now say yes, Luke. Excellent. Let's do it together.